Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. Like if you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. She struck him on the back of his head with a frying pan, almost killing him and was hospitalized for a severely fractured skull. She fractured his skull. She fractured skull. his skull. Wow. So the movie Tangled was right. Frying That's pans right. are dangerous. They are. He feels like he is totally justified in the murder that he commits. Even after he's convicted, he feels justified. Oh, yeah. To this day. That's a confident dirtbag right there. That's right. He believes that his victim had it coming. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirtbags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. everybody welcome to another episode of crimes killers cults and beer and beer like my beer i like my beer too but i just keep forgetting to buy it (laughs) it's two crazy florida men drinking beer and talking about true crime because it's just better when you hear the story from a couple crazy florida swamp lizards yes indeed (laughs) so anyway that's todd and that is bill and what are you drinking tonight well the usual when i don't have beer i'm drinking rum and coke out of my uh powder blue sippy cup powder blue sippy cup i i don't know why but i just love it that that i I love how that sounds when you say it it sounds cool (laughs) my powder blue sippy cup i'm gonna have to write a song powder blue powder blue sippy cup Powder blue sippy cup, I fill you up. Let's have a party. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking too. I was like, I'm going to do, do a parody of Red Solo Cup, but it's going to be powder blue sippy cup. If I can make it fit and sound right, I don't know. We'll yeah, see. that's a lot of extra syllables, but yeah, it, yeah, you can make it work. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I, if you don't know what I'm drinking. This well, was your first episode. This was your first episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm drinking Bud Light out of a brown bottle with a blue wrapper. <laughs> and I still find women amazingly attractive, even though I tend to attract the psychos. <laughs> you do. That's That ain't no lie. <laughs> so, once again, ladies, I am... Available. <laughs> so. Uh, I have some ado. All right. Ado away. 
several adieus. First off, this was the first episode we recorded in like a month. (laughs) (laughs) Because of the fact that we, we got so far ahead. So what had happened was, um, we recorded William Reese. Um, but backing up about two, about a month and a half or so prior to that, we did the, um, the toolbox killer episode. And, I had just happened to notice that at least four different podcasts released um, Toolbox Killer episodes like the same week that we had done one. It was just weird coincidence. So I'm like, you know what? We're just going to sit on the Toolbox Killer episode for a while. So <laughs> we record William Reese, and then we recorded the, um, you know, the the two the the two episodes with, um, you know, the um, troubled teen industry, and and we also, and we, and we also released Toolbox Killer in that time. Not so, re- yeah, we recorded. Yeah, no, we we released Toolbox Killer. I thought you okay. Never mind. Yeah, no, we, that was the last I, episode. I, I, I'm confused. Mind. <laughs> but that was the last episode to go out before part one <laughs> of um the true the troubled teen industry, and right. um, so it's like it's literally been like a month since we've recorded a, a full. And now we we've, we've done the half pint episodes, but yeah. it's literally been like a month since we've recorded a full length CKCB episode. <laughs> yeah, which which leads me to something else. You know, I'm probably gonna piss some people off on Twitter or X. <laughs> I mean, not in a bad way, but I had made a poll. I was just like, what episode do you think is going to be next that, that we cover after part two of the, um, the troubled teen industry? And overwhelming majority of, of people that participated in that poll pick BTK redo. <laughs> so they want to hear that. Yeah. All right. So we might, so we might have to do that before episode 100. Um, a couple people picked Ant Hill Kids. That oh, one's coming. Yeah. That one is coming. That's coming. Buckle up. But, um, but the other two that I had put on there was, um, Carl Panzram and, um, and the Bay Harbor Butcher, <laughs> <laughs> which obviously is a joke, but, um, right. but nobody picked the Bay Harbor, the Bay Harbor Butcher or Carl Panzram, which ironically enough, Carl Panzram was going to be the next episode that we recorded. But then I put together this, the notes for this one. And I'm just like, nah, Panzram's going to have to wait. This is like the fourth or fifth time that we pushed Carl <laughs> Panzram to the side. He's got to, he's got to be in hell getting all pissed off. Like, Hurry up and do my episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Like these motherfuckers keep pushing this shit back. What the hell? But he'll be, he'll be, he'll definitely be the next one after this one. Sure. Well, unless you find something else. <laughs> yeah. Now, Carl Panzram is a is a crazy story, but this one's really crazy. But um, but little little more ado, and then we're gonna get started. We got a lot of ado because it's been a month since we recorded one of these things. Yeah. So. <laughs> And we're hoping we're not rusty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this one could suck. This may be like the original BTK episode. Don't listen to this one. <laughs> nah, no, we're no, gonna it ain't going to be like that. It ain't going to yeah. be that bad. But I do think that we're going to do BTK before episode 100 because episode 100 is six months away. 
Yeah. But but we have but there's all that new stuff coming out and everything. We got to wait till that resolves itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's that. Yeah. yeah I could so, talk. <laughs> sure, I could talk. Yeah, that, I mean, that's part of the reason why we're waiting is to get the new info. Yeah. But um, so we we did um, you know, in episode three. William Cruz, we had a, um, and we've told the story a couple of times. We had the, the wife of one of the police officers that William killed, William killed. Yeah. Yeah. One of the police officers that William killed, <laughs> William Cruz killed. And she, she reached out to us and everything. And we're friends on Facebook now and everything. It was a pleasant experience. Um, and that happened right out of the gate for us. I mean, that, so that was like really weird. I was talking with, um, Morgan on Herman Monsters earlier tonight and he's never been contacted and he's got on like, what? well, say, say that podcast name again, please. Human Monsters. Cause you said Herman Munster. <laughs> Are you serious? Did I really? Yeah, you did. God. You said Herman, you said Herman Monsters. And I'm like, no, somebody's been watching the Munsters. <laughs> but. No, I'd, I'd asked him if he had ever been contacted by like loved ones or friends of a victim, and he said no. And I'm like, oh shit, it happened to us like right out of the gate, and then and then today it happened again. Right on. Um, I'm, I told you know I, I told the guy we were going to mention him and everything, and the reason being is because of the fact that. You know, just like a lot of people, sure, they have empathy for the victims and stuff, but a lot of, a lot of true crime fans, my, myself included, you know, I'm not, I'm not singling anybody out. It's like a lot of times we'll, we'll, you know, we'll hear it and everything. And we kind of forget that the, the loved ones of the victims, they're victims too. Mm -hmm. Because what had happened with, um, the, the lady that contacted me after the William Cruz episode, she was looking for podcasts about William Cruz. Well, this guy that contacted me today was not it. He just happened to stumble across it because I had boosted the post. So it, it really just kind of, you know, he listened to it and it just brought it flooding back to him, all the pain. And the first thing he does is, con you know, is, is contact me. And, and I'm just like, man, I, I, I felt, I actually felt bad because, because of the fact, but he, he was really cool. He was really nice and everything. Um, the his name is Stephen Holder, and he was the boyfriend of Christina Powell, who was one of Danny Rowling's victims. Oh, and you know we we talked, you know, and he he told me about her, you know, and you know it it was heart it was heartbreaking and everything, and it's just like you know just I'm I'm hearing about this this young lady from her boyfriend at the time and you know and it's just yeah it kind of it kind of hit me rough so it's just like it's two different circumstances about how these people stumbled across our show yeah you know one was looking for it the other one wasn't and he was he was really he was really cool he was really nice and all that stuff and i you know it's just like I'd, I'd like to think that i've made a new friend it seems like i did but you know it's just yeah, this, things that you don't expect are going to happen when you're doing a true crime podcast, you know? Oh, yeah. And, but, anyway, but, yeah, he, he was really cool, and, you know, um, Christina Powell was a really sweet girl. 
So that was kind of, that was kind of gut wrenching and, you know, props to, props to you, uh, props to you, Steven. I mean, thank you for reaching out. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. Thanks. That's cool. So, Cause yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, I mean, I get, we tend to forget I, about stuff like that. Yeah, I get I get contacted by cult survivors all the time, but this is you know because I am one. But this is different. Yeah. This is different. I mean, it, this is a lot more personal, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, you know, unless uh, somebody died as a result of being in the cult, but we won't go there. <laughs> no, we we're not going to do that. Not today. But, no, not on not on. This episode. This episode is on the slave master John Robinson. <laughs> All right, slave master. Let me tell you. I mean, by the by the time that we get done with this, you are going to agree that this was a very good episode to push Carl Panzram back <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, well, so, well, we we hope so at least. Anyway, no, uh, dude, trust me. You're you're going to be on the edge of your seat. I hope not. It's uncomfortable <laughs> on the edge of my seat. Okay, well, you're good. You'll be on the edge of your seat in spirit. Oh, I'm always on the edge of my seat in spirit. <laughs> so anyway, I have no more ado. Do you? I have no ado. Okay. No, not, not really. It's been, a, it's been a month and you have no ado. I figured if, if there was any episode you're gonna have to do on, but anyway, our um, our our listeners are saying, "Fuck the ado, get on with it." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so now I have no ado. Get on with it. All right. So John Robinson, he was. Hold on, where's my mouse? My my mouse is <laughs> missing. Okay, got no, it. Got, got the mouse. Well, that's what, that's what happens when you have like multiple screens and stuff like that. Um, oh, so you didn't actually lose your mouse itself. You lost where it was uh, on this, which screen right. it was on. Right. <laughs> I <Yeah>. gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I have yet to have that problem, but I will soon. Yeah. I have three screens going right now. Right on. So, um, John Robinson was a con man, an embezzler, a kidnapper, a forger. And a serial killer. Okay. But one yeah. thing he wasn't was a decent human being. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. In I fact, have... I don't, in fact, I don't think there's ever been a truer statement said on this podcast. <laughs> John Robinson may have been a lot of things. <laughs> anyway. Damn it. But, um, he was a, a cocktail of shit stayed shaken, not stirred. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was into BDSM and torture as well, but that comes later. <laughs> he killed at least eight women between 1984 and 2000. I say at least because this is another one where I'm sure there are more victims, and so are the law enforcement officers. Right. So he was born December tw- December 27th, 1943, in Cicero, Illinois, west of Chicago. There's lots of mob history in Cicero, and yes, I've been there. Of course you have. <laughs> uh, Al Capone had an office there, and there there was even a famous shootout in a neighborhood there. All right. Uh, 
He was the third of five kids, and his father was a machinist as well as an abusive alcoholic who was very strict, and his child-rearing got more frequent and more violent when he was drunk, which was all the time. <laughs> but his mother wasn't a drunk, but she was also very strict and mean. So let's just say that John and his siblings were not spoiled. Yeah, I guess not. You know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah. You know, they weren't spoiled. Not parent. Yeah, I guess not. And it it's it's speculated that because of the history of the mob that happened in Cicero could have led could have been the spark that like made him he could have been enamored with the, the mob lifestyle and everything. Mm-hmm. And that could have had something to do with what he did because some of the shit that he did was kind of, you know, it sounded like a racket that the, that the mob would run. All right. So, so as a boy, John enrolled in Quigley preparatory seminary in Chicago. It was a private school for white boys. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that you fucking beat me to it. (laughs) Um, Pee Wee Gaskins episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, nah, he, it was just boys, you know, to, to, you know, it was to prepare them for priesthood because at the time he wanted to become a priest when he grew up. Oh, that's a red flag right there. Not really. Not, not in this case. Not in this case because, you know, he doesn't do what you would expect priests to do. You know, yeah. in, okay. in true crime it. stories, he, he, that none of that happens. All right. Um, there's no kid diddling, no animal abuse, none of the stuff that really just makes you want to curl up underneath your desk and hide. (laughs) None of the stuff that bothers me. Right. There's none of that there, but there's plenty of other shit. Okay. So he was kicked out after a year because he was a bad student with bad grades and he was constantly getting into fights and being disrespectful to authority. Uh, maybe that's code for he wouldn't let the priest diddle him, but I don't know. Yeah, that could be. You never know. You could be. <laughs> code. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's he, was, he was also an Eagle Scout, and his Scout choir even traveled to London to sing for Queen Elizabeth. Oh, all right. And while there, that... he while there he met Judy Garland. Really? Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm I'm not even I'm not even setting you up for something here because I know that's okay, that, that, because that usually you do but all right <laughs> <laughs> no, no I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not waiting. I'm not I don't th- I I don't think I'm gonna do that in this episode I really don't but eh, you but might I, but it's all right I, I might but I, I'm not planning on it at this point <laughs> if I do it'll be off the top of my head because I didn't write one in like I usually do when I do these things <laughs> okay um. All good. But but when he met Judy Garland, he said to her, us Americans got to stick together. And she actually responded to this. So so take a guess of how she responded. Uh, there's no place like home. Good guess. Very good guess, but no. Okay, then I have no, no idea. What did she probably be rating for me? No, she wouldn't have done that. I don't know. No, she she gave him a kiss on the cheek, and she said, you're right. And there's a picture of this. Oh. And that picture wound up in the newspaper, like like 
bunch of newspapers in the United States. <laughs> oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. So I was kind of right. Mm-hmm. There's no place like home. Yeah. No place Actually, like home. yeah. True. Us Americans got to stick together. Yeah. Because they were in London. So, <laughs> so anyway. and, um, in 1961, he en- enrolled in Morton Junior College to become a radiographer, but he dropped out after two years. And in 1964, he moved to Kansas City and he married Nancy Joe Lynch and they got busy. <laughs> they got busy. I love it. Their first child, John Jr., was born in 1965. They had a daughter, Kimberly, in 1967. And then twins, Christine and Christopher, in 1971. Okay. So he got a job as a radiographer using fake credentials. Now, what exactly is a radiographer? It's like a x-ray technician. So it's something like that. Okay, because uh, so like a radiologist then I got you. Yeah. Okay. Just wondering. I wrote radiographer. <laughs> I wrote radiographer. <laughs> but it's radiologist then. It's radiologist. Yeah. All right. Cool. See, just checking. Thank you. I was just Thank wondering you. if they did. I was just wondering if they changed the name. Between well, then and now, you know well, I'm I mean? glad that you I'm glad that you brought that up because I didn't because that comes up, you know, it comes up a couple up like two or like one or two more times, and I didn't want people to think I was a total idiot, even though <laughs> even though even though if they've been listening long enough, they know I'm a total idiot. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure the people that have been listening for a long time are surprised that I corrected you because I would have just because I'm even <laughs> I'm an even t- more total idiot than you, and I would have just let it go. Actually, the truth is, we're not idiots. We're really But not. we play them on TV. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're not idiots. We just, we play them in podcasts. Right. But, yeah. but, um, he got, he got a job as a radiologist using fake credentials and that didn't last long because he clearly didn't know what the hell he was doing. So, cause, <laughs> cause remember, he didn't get his degree. So he was fired. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I can just see it right now. He, he he runs a scan on somebody, and it comes back to the um, and it comes back to the the doctor, and he says, "Well, I can't really tell anything about your spine, but it appears that you are pregnant with an elephant." <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <clears throat> So, right. in 1969, John was working for Dr. Wallace Graham, who was the personal doctor to President Harry Truman. Oh. No word on whether or not he met Harry Truman, but he worked for the doctor. He was I, hired as... Huh? I was, was going to say, I would say he probably didn't because... Yeah. I mean, that that's got to require a level... Security, security clearance clearance level that is beyond just employees. <laughs> yeah, and Truman was president at the time. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I, I would think that. Oh wait, no, Truman no, he wasn't. In 1969, Truman wasn't the the president at the time. Oh no, Kennedy um, was. Yeah, but Truman, but okay, so he had been. Well, actually, you know, no, he was still the doctor of president. Yeah, because when you when you Truman's leave the office, still, you're still when president. you leave, like yeah, Trump is still President Trump. 
Obama is still President Obama. Yeah. Even yeah. though they're not the acting president, you yeah. know, the sitting president yeah, anymore. The, the title, so. like former president right. or whatever the title says. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Like I said, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, John was hired as the office manager and he was arrested for, because he had been embezzling and he, he embezzled $33,000 from the practice, which almost put, uh, Dr. Graham out of business. Ouch. All right. Yeah. $33,000. And so he was arrested and he got three years probation for it. That's it. That's it. Man. All right. I mean, $33,000 back then was probably like, like $300,000 now. Yeah. At least. So, but he violated his probation by moving to Chicago without his probation officer's permission. So he got oh. a job as an insurance salesman. And in 1971, <laughs> yeah. Of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> In 1971, he was arrested for, wait for it, embezzlement. Embezzlement, uh, again. There's a surprise. And, yeah, and, and he was ordered back to Kansas City, and his probation was extended. That's it. No jail time. Oh, Jesus, really? He's stealing, <laughs> like, thousands of dollars from these people, and they just let him on? Like, all right, fine. And, viola- and, and breaking probation. Yeah, he violated his probation. Isn't that shit? You go back to jail. You go to jail for that shit. I mean, hell, if, you, if you're if you on probation for something and you get, say, caught in, like, the same vicinity of a, um, of somebody smoking a joint, you could go back to jail nowadays. Whether you, whether yeah. you smoked it or oh, not, yeah. if you're, if you're around it, you could go, you could go to jail for, mm-hmm. that's, that's a violation of probation. Exactly. <sighs> anyway. Um. It seems to me that he's really good at embezzling, but he got too greedy. Well, they always do. Yeah. Like if I, if I steal, if I steal a dollar from your wallet, you're probably not going to notice it. But if I stole your debit card, you'd notice it immediately. Uh huh. So. But John still didn't take the hint and he was arrested yet again, this time for securities and mail fraud from a phony medical consulting company that he had formed. So this guy's just all over the place. He froze. Yeah. I'm good. Okay. Well, I I'm just gonna, I, I, oh, I was just going to say, though, that, I mean, if he'd spend as much time, like, actually learning something, like, to do something legitimate as he does trying to figure out ways to scam people, he'd have been a decent guy. Yeah, he would have. I mean, Absolutely, it, 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 he like, like running all these scams that he's running, dude, I mean, that takes time and intelligence and preparation. And I was like, dude, just whatever. Just do the Just do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I guess not everybody's wired that way. Nope. But in, in 1977, he became, but, but you see what I, what I mean about like it going back to the mob? Uh uh-huh. Oh yeah. Because all of this shit was shit that the mob did. So it's just like, it's, it's very possible that he could have easily, you know, that he could have been like influenced and enamored with that. And he was just like, yeah, I'm going to be a wise guy. <laughs> you know, 
Speaking yeah. of fucking wise guys, we haven't we came up with that term for our listeners, and we haven't used it since. <laughs> oh, I, I guess, know. I guess that means it wasn't about that. I guess that means that it wasn't good enough. We got to come up with something better. Yeah, we got to come up with something better. Yeah, because it was if it was that good, we would have remembered it. But so. So in 1977, he became a scoutmaster as well as a Sunday school, a Sunday school teacher. Oh boy. Ah, BTK vibes. <laughs> oh and, boy. Oh, and get ready to laugh. Um, he I'm also became, laugh. <laughs> he also became the member of the, um, he also became a member of the board of directors of a local charity. And there, he forged letters from the chief executive director of the charity to the mayor of Kansas City, naming himself the charity's man of the year. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, my Atlanta. <laughs> he, then, he then put together a luncheon in his own honor. <laughs> And and I'm sure that many donations to his wallet were received <laughs> during that luncheon. Oh boy, yeah, all right. That's I was just gonna say that too. I mean, he, he, so he's got he jo- became a part of this charity. So how much money did he embezzle from them? <laughs> yeah, and then then this luncheon obviously it's a charitable function and everything. So you're just like that all you, went to him. Thank you, yep. thank you, thank you. Here, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you. Why are you putting the money in your wallet? It's safekeeping. I'm, I'm going to put it in the bank where it belongs when we're done here. It's safekeeping. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot my money bag. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. My money bag. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Make it out to John Robinson Cash. Or, yes. no, just make it. Just make it out to Cash. Just make yeah, it out to go. Cash. It'll be fine. <laughs> it will be fine. Told you you were going to like this one. So far. <laughs> but um, I think John and Michael Lang would have gotten along pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> one of our recurring characters. You guys oh, have yeah. been on for a while. I was thinking about doing one for this one, but I forgot about it. But... <laughs> like I forget to buy beer. <laughs> or do the videos on YouTube. Or, or set up or, your or set up your studio. Or set up my studio. Or... Or... <laughs> All the other things that I procrastinate. Right. So. <laughs> if you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know that I'm king procrastinator. Yeah. But to the majority of the people that knew John, he was just an ordinary average John. I had Joe written down, but I just threw John in there. But, but still, it's just, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to imply that he was a frequenter of prostitutes because he wasn't. Okay, because that's where my mind went. <laughs> I know, I, I know. And as soon as I said that, I was like, "Shit, I shouldn't have done that." Should have <laughs> said that on there. Yeah, but, <laughs> that's great. But he, he was even the Santa Claus at his church. Okay. Um, <laughs> the truth of the matter is that he was a master manipulator. That and he had multiple affairs with women. Um, and at this point, his wife didn't know about him, of, of, about them. But he was running around on his wife and everything. And we're going to get into just how weird this is moving forward. But 
All right. So in 1979, John finishes probation, but was, take a guess, what happened? Oh, I, I don't know what happened. He was arrested it, for embezzlement and check forgery. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I said that earlier, so I figured I already guessed. He <laughs> it had to be something him. else. <laughs> he can't help himself. But this time, he actually got jail time. And, 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 and because of his rap sheet, rap sheet, he got, take a guess, 60 days, six weeks, six months, six years. Take a guess. Well, geez, I don't know. Well, everything else has been so weak. I'm going to have to say 60 days. You got it. <laughs> because I mean, shit, dude, he got, he got arrested for it twice and was just given probation. So it had to be the least amount of time, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, you got that one. <laughs> Yeah, I thought if if I want you to get something, I'll have to like do multiple choice. <laughs> yeah, that helps <laughs> because you hit that one out of the park. <laughs> I, I'm I'm good at multiple choice, but when I just have to guess out of nothing, that's I don't know. There's been times where you've just like come up with it right spot on. I was just like, holy crap! How the hell did you I, get that? <laughs> yeah, I can't put my finger on it if you want to hear it you'll just have to listen to every single episode we've ever done (laughs) and you'll find it (laughs) you'll find it eventually yeah Uh... so after his (laughs) (laughs) after it just keeps it just keeps getting weirder and weirder after his release he started a fake hydroponics lab what Where did that even come from? I don't know. Jesus. I mean, you know, it was a fake one. It wasn't like he was actually doing it. He was just like, you know, it was just a fake hydroponics lab. Okay. Well, I guess he, but, he, he read about hydroponics or something and just said, hey, that's a funky name. I'll just do that. Well, he had an angle because everything, every scam that he ran worked until he got sloppy. Yeah. So, so he knew what he was, he was successful at running these scams, but he just either got greedy or whatever, whatever happened. I mean, he was a very good con man. He just wasn't a good finisher. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. All right. So, so he be, but, with this hydroponics lab, he began writing leaflets as well as awards for his writing. He wrote his own awards for his writing. Okay. It's like, wow. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to that. All right. This guy was just fake. I mean, it just. Yeah. I'd like to think that I'd be able to smell that guy. But I don't okay. know if I would. I don't know if I would. I don't. I really don't know if I if I'd be able to be like, okay, you're just full of shit, dude. Get the fuck away from me. Because so many people bought into his bullshit, right? But um, but but this but this next this next part, um, this is probably the shittiest thing that he's done thus far. Okay. Um, he had a friend of his give him $25,000 as an investment into the hydroponics lab. 
that oh. and he and he promised he promised the friend a fast return on his investment. So you know, and it would like double, triple, quadruple, or whatever his investment, like mm-hmm. in record time. But it and it was his friend did the his friend believed him, and he did this so that his friend could pay his wife's medical care, and his wife was dying. Oh Jesus, no, fuck. He scammed his friend out of twenty five grand. It was to, oh my god. That that could have been that could have saved to, it or helped save his it, wife's life. Maybe no, it could have prolonged his wife's life. She, yeah, she was. She was. I I don't. It didn't really say what she was dying of, but whatever it was, it was terminal. She was dying. But still, it's just like you know he he robbed he robbed this guy of maybe another month with his wife. Yeah. Maybe two months, whatever, six months. The $25,000 would have done that, you know, not to mention the debt that he's got and everything yeah. and, all, and all that stuff for services already rendered and whatnot. And it's just that, that, that's fucked up. Yeah, it is. That's fuck me. All right. Yeah. So now, now it's starting to get to the point where you actually fucking hate this guy, you know, <laughs> because before it was just like, oh yeah, embezzlement here, embezzlement there, yeah, 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 it's fire, yeah. you know. <laughs> but um, oh, there he is. But yeah, but but it, it, but now it's just you know what he did to the so-called friend. I mean, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's fucking terrible. So in 1984, John's starting a consulting company called Equitu. Okay. And the only thing that it really consulted was women, and he just <laughs> kind of used it as a front to meet and rob women. Oh, Jesus! And, and sleep and sleep with them. Oh, he's got good marketing skills. Yeah, yeah, he does. So if you remember. At the beginning of the episode, I said that he killed from 1984 to 2000. Mm. We're at 1984 now. Uh Uh-oh. So. All right. Here we go. In 1984, he hired 19-year-old Paula Godfrey as a sales rep for Equitu, the (laughs) company that didn't really exist. Yeah. (laughs) For some reason, I just had a thought in my head about the intro to Knight Rider. <laughs> a shadowy flight into the world dun-dun, of a consulting dun-dun, firm dun-dun, that doesn't exist. Oh, God. Does anybody even remember Knight Rider? Well, we do. <laughs> yeah, but we're old. <laughs> anyway. Speak for yourself. I'm turning 30 in a couple of days. Oh, okay. <laughs> 30 with 20 years experience. All right, then. We'll go with that. Yeah. So, um, of course, by the time this episode comes out, I'll be 30 for a week or two. <laughs> right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, hashtag, but I digress. Um, yep. Paula had just finished, um, you know, she had just graduated high school with honors and she had interested in a career in, in business and everything. And she had told her family 
that you know, she had answered a, a classified ads, you know, about this position. And so she interviewed with John and she was hired. So, um, <clears throat> so she was excited. She told her family that John had offered her this position that included excellent benefits and she'd be able to travel the world. It was, you know, it was a golden opportunity for a young woman with her whole life ahead of her. Yay. Of course it was. Yay. 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 The last communication that anyone had with Paula, she called her grandmother to tell her that she was going to San Antonio for, um, for business and that she would be taking a train and then she disappeared without a trace. Oh, damn it, man. But one thing, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're up there in Kansas City. Why would you take if you know, if this guy is everything that he says he is? Why would you take a train from Kansas City to San Antonio? Mm. You just jump on a fucking plane and fly. You'd be there in two hours. Well, you'd think so, but yeah, it's a new company. Maybe you didn't have enough money for a plane ticket. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, we all know but, the real reason, but anyway, that's not the point, right? <laughs> Paula's family made a missing persons report to the Kansas City Police Department, uh, but shortly later, Paula's there family <laughs> got a got a letter um, in the mail. It was allegedly from Paula, and it was and it was typed. And it uh, said that she was traveling and that life was good. John Robinson was a wonderful person who has helped her start a new life, and she was happy as she could be. Mm-hmm. And and it was signed with her actual signature okay so this letter or a variation of it went out to several families over the years but really and and you really can't you really can't blame the kansas city police department for what i'm about to tell you because you know put yourself in their shoes yeah this this seemed legitimate to law enforcement because it appeared that a grown woman went away on her own there's there's nothing wrong with that so no cases were filed yeah you know and there was the letter even though it was typed (laughs) um like on a typewriter click clack click clack click click Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and john wasn't really on anybody's radar radar at this point other than for like embezzlement and stuff like that yeah and Fake hydroponics. Hydroponics. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, you know, the but plus the the supposed destination of these women and their families, they were all in different locations where the where the letters had come from, and you know, so so there were no re- red flags that popped up. It was just like okay, whatever. So it's just like there, you know, you really can't blame you really can't blame the Kansas City Police Department for yeah you. Know, they're not Dallas. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Here we go again. But Paula's body has never been found. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, around 1980, uh, later in 1984, John started giving into a darker side of his personality. He always had a deviant sexual appetite, and he. Be you know, and he always like explored it because, like I said, this guy was a fucking womanizer. 
Mm-hmm. But but he got developed an interest into the BDSM lifestyle. And he was referred to himself as a master or the dominant. And that there were clubs in Kansas City that catered to that lifestyle. And he became a regular at them. All right. Yeah. He was five foot nine and put pudgy, kind of potato esque. <laughs> he was a potato. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> no, that wasn't Mark. That was me. I came up with the potato. Did you? I thought they yeah. did. Okay, my bad. Thanks, Bill. No. <laughs> no. Shit, I'm the one that met that guy. <laughs> and he reminded me of a potato. Alright. <laughs> so he's definitely not a looker, but he had serious game. Yeah, well, you know. So during the day, he would run his scams and hook up with women. But at five o'clock, at five, at five, at five o'clock, at five <laughs> o'clock, he would turn that off and go home and be a family man. But at some point, his wife did find out about the affairs, and she didn't care. Oh, all right. In fact, neither of them wanted a, a divorce, so she was probably so brainwashed by John at that point that she thought that this was normal. But you, every every. Everybody does this. That's how it is. <laughs> does this. And she's a victim as much as anybody else in this story. Yeah. I'm sh- yeah. She gotta be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are cases like Jerry Brutus, for example, where it's like, like, come on, you had to have known, but not the, <laughs> not this one, not this one. Yeah. Right. Um, Jerry Brutus is one that we'll cover at some point. Later in 1984, John started an organization called Kansas City Outreach, which was supposedly a charity to help young single mothers. And he would try to get hospitals to sign on to the charity for unwed mothers, saying that he would put the girls up into an apartment and take care of them. You know, and so so he's networking. Um, (laughs) So he even called up a legitimate organization that did exactly that, it was called birthright mm-hmm. and, and they looked into him and birthright. They called BS on John. Oh, they smelled him. <laughs> yeah. Right on. One of the officers, um, one of the officers that they, that birthright talked to a guy named Stephen Hames. And this guy's a fucking rock star. Um, he thought that he was looking, you know, he, he just had the thought that he was looking to take the babies and sell them and then traffic the mother. So All right. he, he wasn't too far off. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but he contacted the FBI and they weren't aware. The FBI wasn't aware of any baby thefts in the area. Um, in 1985, using the, alias of John Osborne, Robinson met 19-year-old Lisa Stasi and her four-month-old daughter, Tiffany. Lisa had been married, but she and her husband had split up, and and her husband then joined the military and was deployed. But, okay. so, but, they, but they had split up before that happened anyway. But she was staying at the Hope House, which was a shelter for homeless women in Kansas City, and Lisa had told relatives that she was, you know, working with an organization called Kansas City Outreach, an organization designed to assist young mothers. She had been referred to it by the hospital that she had been taking her 
baby to you for, you know, postnatal care and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the hospital thought that Kansas City Outreach would be a good fit for Lisa, you know, based on the propaganda and the, the literature and everything that John had presented. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, 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 they were duped, obviously. Yeah. They believed but, the lie. Yeah. And once again, you know, I, I, I'm not pointing the finger. This guy was a fucking no. master at what he did. Yeah, the guy was really smooth, man, obviously. Yeah. So... Robinson had pre- John Robinson had pre- presented the program to Lisa as a way to receive free room and board while studying for a GED. <clears throat> and he promised Lisa a job and a stable living situation in Chicago. And he asked her to sign several sheets of blank stationery. Oh, uh, yeah, there it is. Never signed blank pieces of paper. Yeah, right. Never. <clears throat> but but there's a pattern developing and we're going to we're going to get to that. So, I mean, it's just I don't blame Lisa for this at all. Um <clears throat> Lisa and Tiffany or John checked Lisa and Tiffany into room 131 at the Roadway End in Overland Park, which is a suburb of Kansas City. In early January of 1985, and Lisa told her relatives that, quote, Mr. Osborne had uh, arranged and paid for their new accommodations. They're not calling him Ozzy? Come on now. (laughs) Yeah, right. But, yeah, and obviously a hotel room is a lot better than a shelter. You're by yourself, privacy, and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So on January 9th, Stacy visited her sister-in-law, Kathy Klingensmith, where um, where she told him about her arrangements, and she was just chilling there, and everything. But on January tenth, Robinson, in the middle of a snowstorm, no less, Robinson picked up, you know, arrived at Lisa's sister-in-law's house, and he, and he picked up Lisa and Tiffany and returned them to the motel. He was upset that Lisa had left the, you know, had left the hotel, and he demanded that Tiffany, that she and Tiffany leave with him right then and there. So they jumped into his car and they took off. They left behind Lisa's car, baby food, clothes, you know, stuff that I don't know you might need yeah, exactly. for a baby. Yeah, no shit. And that never set that never set well with with Kathy, the sister in law. Yeah, as it should. I mean, it shouldn't sit well with anybody. Seriously. Right. Anyway. So the very next night, Lisa called her mother in law crying, and she's asking the mother in law, "Why are you trying to take my baby away from me?" And and the mother in law was confused. She's like, "What? Nobody's trying to take your baby." And Lisa's like, "They made me sign four blank sheets of paper." And the mother-in-law, she says, under no circumstances sign anything. You know, the mother-in-law's like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And it's like, nobody's trying to take your baby. And the mother-in-law said that there was genuine fear in Lisa's voice. And, and then, <clears throat> and then Lisa said, here they come. I've got to go. And that was the last time anybody heard anything from Lisa. Oh, man. 
A couple days after Lisa went missing, the mother-in-law, Lisa's brother, and a, a brother and sister-in-law, and a shelter all received the exact same letter, typed, thanking the people for all of their help and how much she appreciated it. She said she was leaving Kansas City to make a new life for herself, and she also said that Tiffany deserved a real mother who could take care of her. Holy shit. Wow, man. Oh, fuck. Well, get this. Get this. It was signed Lisa Elledge Stasi. Her full legal name, including her middle name. Yeah. When you're writing a letter to family, you're not going to write, you're, you're not going to sign yeah, it with you're your not full sign it like name. That. Yeah. No, you wouldn't because do that. Like, yeah. It's just like I, if I was writing a letter to a family member, I'd just put Bill. Yeah. Exactly. I might, I might put my last name. I'm damn sure not writing my full legal name. <laughs> you yeah. know, not not to a family, not to not to family. Yeah, they know who you are. You don't need to do that shit, right? <laughs> Fuck. So, um, the family didn't buy it. Good, but, <laughs> but once again, there was no evidence of foul play. There, it just it just wasn't there. Yeah, suspicious. I, I, I see that. Yeah, suspicious. Yeah, but definitely. But there's no evidence other than. This fucking potato-looking motherfucker saying, "Get the fuck out of here! How dare you leave my fucking hotel room?" <clears throat> yeah, right. I'm here to take care of you and your baby, but let's leave all the baby supplies in your car. <laughs> yeah, but, but still, I mean, it's just at, at this point, it just, it just, I mean, that one should have raised my and actually, it did. Well, I hope. Yeah, so. good. All right. On January 10th, Stephen Haynes, he was. You know, at this point, he was unaware of Lisa's situation, and he decided to confront John because, like I said, he's he smelt bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he he wrote John a letter, and then later, learning what had happened to Lisa, he blamed himself for not only you know not only for contacting John, you know, for, for, he blamed himself not only for not contacting John sooner, but also for not doing it in person. Okay. You should have just walked in. It's just like, dude, I'm on to you, you piece of shit. Yeah, right. Um, and he actually, you know, thought that if he had acted sooner, maybe Lisa would still be alive. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> but <sighs> in the letter, Haynes requested John come in and talk to him, and he did. And because remember, he had contacted Birthright. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and Haynes said that this had something, you know, that this was in reference to to birthright. So he's just like, okay, well, maybe they need to do a background check on me or something like that, whatever, whatever. I'm I'm speculating. But but he went because he thought that it was, you know, it, it had something to do with a potential partnership with birthright, which is what he wanted. But. Hames asked if John's charity was incorporated and whether and whether or not they're a nonprofit. And John's just like, "Nah, we're working on that. We just we just <laughs> want to give back to the community." <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm gonna start the CKCB outreach program. Give me the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I want the baby. I want my baby back, baby, back, baby. baby. 
Ribs. Ribs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We're idiots. Fuck. <laughs> but, um, he had to let, he had to let John go because John is a master bullshit artist and everything like that. And he, every question that, that like Haynes like put his way, he was able to twist out of. So it's just like they found themselves like going back and forth in circles and all that stuff. And it just seemed perfectly normal. It's like to anybody listening, it would seem like it was just a normal conversation or whatever. This guy was a fucking master at, at manipulating and, you know, redirecting and all that stuff. <clears throat> but so he let John go, but, um, but John was on Haynes radar and ha- and Haynes never stopped watching John, but put a knife in that. Nope. <laughs> in January of 1987, 27 year old Catherine Clampett left her child with her parents in Wichita Falls, Texas and moved to Kansas city to live with her brother's family and find a job. <clears throat> So she answered an advertisement for Equitu, a management consulting firm in Overland Park, Kansas, shortly after her arrival, which promised extensive traveling and a new wardrobe, benefits, the whole nine yards. Robinson hired her and and she began, he put her up in several local hotels over over the time they were there. But they were near the Equitu Offices, air quote. Offices. I was going to say, there's got to be quotes around that, right? Yeah, <laughs> because he, there, there can't be a real office. There might be a, a storefront that he's got that he pays, you know, that he pays for, about the size of fucking Marino's Speakeasy. <laughs> right on. Pro- probably equally as nice as Marino's Speakeasy, but. <laughs> Minus the smell of fucking rancid sardines and fucking methanol. And methanol. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> Mike the Durable. <laughs> Episode one. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but on June 15th, 1987, Clampett left to have a meeting with Robinson and she was never seen since. But then again, letters began arriving. Handwritten letters. These were actually handwritten letters asking, you know, about her kid and saying, oh, she's doing great and all that stuff. And these were handwritten. So, okay, so he, she actually wrote them or he's becoming yeah. a forger now. No, no, she, she wrote them. He probably told her what to write, or maybe hinted at what to write. Uh, I, I doubt he said. I, I doubt he said. I doubt he held a gun to her head. Well, actually, he might have. I was going to say, yeah, because he killed her right this, after. He probably wrote this shit under duress. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But um, now, now take that knife out. All right, it's out. Uh, hey, <laughs> sorry, it's the same sound. <laughs> yeah. Um. Haynes had been doing due diligence on John. He had interviewed hospitals and ultimately got to the one that had referred Lisa um, to the Kansas City outreach. They told Haynes that Lisa and Tiffany hadn't been seen in quite some time. So Haynes at this point was convinced that John was a serial killer. Good for he, wasn't, him. he wasn't yet, 
No, actually, Clampett was number three. That makes him a serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. But the, but the you know there was a string of missing girls in the area. So um, Haynes wanted to arrest John for something else to just to get him off the street, kind of like what happened with Capone. Yeah. Um, racket. You know, he's a ruthless mob boss, but we're going to arrest him for racketeering. Didn't they? I thought they, <laughs> didn't they get him for tax evasion? I thought it was tax evasion. Yeah, that, that's what it was. Tax evasion. Um, if we cover Al Capone, we're bringing Vic on. Fuck yeah! Because that was so awesome with that episode with about John Gotti. That was I know, amazing. Dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. If, yeah, if we do anything like that, any kind of shit like that, Vic has to. Because yeah. he just he has that insight that we don't have, you know. Yep, exactly. Vic is awesome. Yep, <clears throat> um, love Vic. One of our favorite guests. Even though when we first started the show, we we're like, we'll never have guests on the show. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we 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 were so fucking short sighted when we started this, and now we've learned that it's a much bigger world, and we're adapting. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of podcasts don't have guests. We do. But we do now, we do. yeah, now. <laughs> but we do it because it's fun. Yeah, it is, especially when it's the guest has like either personal knowledge of the topic or, um, like Vic. Vic has a lot of background knowledge because you know he's right. he was he was a police officer, so he has a, a lot of a detective, a, New a York detective. City yeah, detective. <laughs> so he has he has a lot of a lot of knowledge that isn't in that we wouldn't put into the stories that we talk about. So he's, oh, I love having Vic on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I hope we get to meet him at crime con. I hope so too. Put a link into his, because he has a podcast now too, right? Yeah. Put, we'll put a link into to his podcast too. You guys can go check him out. If you, if you feel oh. so inclined, he's on the website on, on the friends of CKCB page. Oh, he is. Okay. Well, shit. Yeah. I guess I should check out the website. <laughs> but um I'm such a slacker. Oh, by by the way, since we're digressing a little bit, Natasha um on the Prison Tender episode on her podcast, um she's talking, all of a sudden she comes out with a tick tock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. Oh shit. <laughs> All right. Anyway, anyway, hashtag but I digress. We're not gonna do it. We're not gonna do it um, anymore for this episode. I mean, we, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, we we still got a ways to go. Oh man! All right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's go. Fuck you, dude. This this this. Oh, this, this is, is good. This I know is, it's good. This Let's is go. one of the crazy. This is one of the craziest stories that we've covered, and you know. we're not. We haven't. We're we're not even to the really crazy part yet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> So, uh, so they 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 got him on fraud, you know. First in Kansas, plain old Kansas, <laughs> not our um, Kansas, not our Kansas, plain old Kansas. <laughs> and um and I'm multiple fraud convictions, and later in Missouri for another fraud. Um, blah, what the fuck. <sighs> I don't know what that was. I don't either. Later in Missouri for another fraud conviction and parole violations. Oh, so you tried to say parole and fraud at the same time. That's where prod came from. 
Okay, I was wondering. I was like, what the what the hell did I even do there? <laughs> but um so they they arrested him and he was convicted. So between nineteen eighty seven and nineteen ninety three, John was incarcerated and he was at the Western Missouri Correctional Facility. And For there <laughs> I knew that was coming. I was trying to get the sentence going before you said it. <laughs> I know. I I have failed. <laughs> Into but hiding, while, you must go. <laughs> into hiding, I must go. Fuck, <laughs> oh, we're weird. idiots. <laughs> but um, while there, he met 49-year-old Beverly Bonner, the prison librarian. Oh. Suki, suki. Bum, chicka, bum, Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, he manipulated her while he was in prison, and... You might say he had a captive audience. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, you got me. So, but they, they began, you know, they began an affair in prison. So I guess you could say that she swiped right on prison tender, even though it was in person. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah, you could say that. Oh, so, prison tender. I love that. <laughs> That's probably one of the coolest things that I've come up with is that like, like the, the name for like people falling with, you know, falling for people in prison, prison tender. That's probably yeah. one of the coolest things I've come up with. <laughs> it is. I love it. But um, I, th- I think about that shit all the time, man. <laughs> fucking prison tender, dude. That's just fucking badass. <laughs> but she she fell for him, and upon his release in January of 1993, uh, Beverly Bonner left her husband, who was a prison doctor. I wonder if they, it doesn't say if they were working in the same prison. I'm assuming they probably were not. I would, yeah, I would think not. But you never know. <laughs> yeah, they're working in different. Well, yeah, she's in the library. He's in the he's in the medical room, hospital, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Sick bay. Damn it, Sick Jim! Bay, I'm yeah. a doctor, not a prisoner. I'm a doctor, not a librarian. Yeah. Anyway. Um, she moved to Kansas to work for to work for him at his business of course <laughs> and he made her an officer and said business and he also opened up credit cards in her name john also arranged for bonner's alimony checks to be forwarded to a kansas city post a, a kansas post office box not a kansas city post office box a kansas uh-huh post office box and her family never heard from her again and for several years bonner's mother had been forwarding her alimony checks to robinson and he was cashing them oh jesus almost 18 almost eighteen thousand dollars so you know he had this thing going with her for a while because you know alimony checks Divorces aren't, they're, they're not quick. No. He's so playing for, the long, he played the long con on this one. Yeah. <sighs> kind of like something, I won't go there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway. 
And her her family also began getting letters about how much fun she was having and everything out out and about and everything. But they were postmarked from other countries. Okay. Put a knife in that. Oh shit! All right. You can't say "oh shit" at the same time you're putting you're putting the knife in it because then you can't hear the the sound effect. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, um, so after his release, Robin discovered, or Robin, Robinson discovered the internet early 90s, and he roamed the online chat rooms using the name Slave Master. Um, we're there, we're there now. I'm sure you're wondering when the hell that was going to come up. Um, yeah. Actually, I was because we're a while into this and yeah. nothing's been said about that. So, anyway, right. um, other than he got took an interest in BDSM. But oh yeah. Why don't you explain BDSM for our listeners who might you know like like me might be just like, well, I know what it is, but. Yeah, just I, uh, I, I'll be honest. I just want to hear you explain it. That's all. You want to hear me explain it? <laughs> yeah, I do. Why? Because I'm not into that, but I know. But you, but you probably know ba- a hell of a lot more about basically, it than I do. Yeah, BDSM is bondage, domination, sadism, and masochism. I, I believe that's what it stands for. Yes. So it's 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 bondage. It's torture. It's you know. I mean, it, it's anything from tying somebody up. And having sex with them or spanking them or beating them with a paddle. I mean, it, there's, it's level. Yeah. Anything goes as long as the participants are willing. Yes. And I, yeah, it has to be consensual because if it's not consensual, then it's just assault and rape. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty much consensual assault and rape. Yeah. Basically. I mean, it's, I mean, it's whatever you want it to be. I mean, everybody's seen Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm sure it's that. I but, um, you well, have? Yeah, I watched them Man all. Man card punch, bro. Huh? Man card punch. That's a chick movie. That's a chick flick. Eh, not really. I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> but you know, it's like that. Even though they kind of lighten it up in there, but it's it's like that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Even though that was written by somebody who used to write, uh, what did she write? What was it? Oh, uh, Twilight fan fiction, because that movie is, that movie is just Twilight with BDSM in it, really. (laughs) Are you serious? The person that wrote Fifty Shades of Grey was a, was a Twilight fangirl? Yeah, she wrote Twilight fan fiction, as far as I know. Like, that's how she started. That's how, I mean, I don't even know if it's a girl. I'm, to be honest with you, I, I'm saying she, because I assume it is. Okay. But, but, um, no, the person that wrote the books, the Fifty Shade of Grey books, used to write Twilight fan fiction. Why does that not surprise me? Well, because if, if you watch, I mean, if you watch them, I mean, I haven't read the Fifty Shades of Grey books. I just watched the movies. But if you watch the movies, they're just like the Twilight movies, except instead of vampires and werewolves, it's all BDSM. But it's the exact same thing. Wow. But anyway, not the point. <laughs> my my ex-wife was a big Twilight fan, so unfortunately I have seen all of the Twilight movies, but I'm 
I've not read the books. Yeah, but. I watched all the movies too, but you know, I figured out after like the third one, God, I that the second, third one. that second, that second one, the second fucking movie when it had the, you know, the wedding, it was like 45 minutes of the most boring wedding you've ever been to in your fucking life. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> was that the second one? I think was it? it was the second one. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't. Just, I've no, seen, they didn't get married till the last one, didn't they? No, they got married in the second one, or it Did might have they? been the third one. Yeah, yeah, because I saw it in the theater with with my with my ex. The other two, I, because, I the other two uh, I saw like on DVD or whatever. But you know, the the three and four and I five know. because on the and fifth then, one they did they did what um what they did with you know the Hobbit and like broke like stretched it out just for a cash grab and everything. But well, it was like, it was like breaking dawn was two parts. And I thought that's yeah. when they got married, but I don't know. Maybe yeah, they, they got married. married they got married in the second one. Cause I remember seeing that in the theater and I was just like, <sighs> it's been I, so I long just, since I seen any of that. I was, I was just like, I was just like, you know, I, I even told my ex-wife, so, so. I was just like, I, 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 if I had a gun, I would blow my brains out right now. This is so fucking boring. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, that, that the, the, whole pre- the whole premise of that movie was just like weird. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. dude, I mean, I, you mean, there's no real person in the world that would be, well, I don't know. Maybe there is not in my, not in my circle, but just the whole, like, I, I love you. I love you. I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I, I don't know. They do just all the fucking just waffling that goes on in those movies. Is well, it, ridiculous. It's, fucking middle, it's fucking middle school romance is all it is. But yeah, yeah, it's but, for but, tweens. But the, for but sure, the guy but, is, but the guy is a, but the guy is a 300 year old vampire. Yeah. I know. It was weird. I mean, yeah, it's, the, it's, it's, it's a tween romance novel, basically. What's the, what's yeah. the girl? Uh, yeah. You know, what's, what's the girl's name? No, the the actress. What's her name? Oh fuck, I can't remember right now. I can't. I, was, I, I wasn't expected to be put on a. <laughs> but okay, she was horrible in those movies. <laughs> Dude, she's horrible in everything. The only, the best thing she no, did was play no. Joan Jett in that run that's of these movies. That's what I was gonna say. She fucking she nailed it with that one. She was excellent, and yeah. and that movie. But Dude, yeah, she Joan, was in a. She was in a. Her, the light, the, well, one, the last movie I remember her being in is about, she was like in an underwater thing and they accidentally woke up Cthulhu. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but that sounds like something I'd be interested in. <laughs> it looks like a good movie, but it's, it's one of those where they tell you everything and not show you stuff. So it's, you know. Oh, gotcha. It, 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 I, it's a, it's a new Hollywood movie. Oh, okay. Hashtag. But I digress. <laughs> yes, we we went way off the rails on that. <laughs> we did. It wouldn't be a CKCB episode without it, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. So, after his release, Robinson discovered the internet and he roamed the online chapters chat 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 rooms using the name Slave Master, and he was looking for women who enjoyed playing the submissive partner role during sex. Yeah. He had a computer room set up with two computers and five monitors. This way he could be on multiple sites at one time because computer tech, internet technology wasn't what it is today. Mm-hmm. He was the deviant of dial up. 
<laughs> the deviant of dial-up. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a dial-up sound to play right here. <laughs> oh, wait. Hey, wait a minute. What? Don't you have that kind of setup? No. <laughs> no? Are you sure? I actually do have two computers and five monitors. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> so, pot, meat, kettle. <laughs> but I have high-speed internet. I, I I use the other computer. Okay, for so that makes things. you better. Yeah, I got you. So so you so I you're use... not a dial-up deviant. You're a high-speed deviant. <laughs> after what I've oh. been through, after what I've been through very recently, I am not going to be you know doing the dating sites again anytime soon. Fuck yeah, that. you should never do that anyway. <laughs> no, especially at my age. All the all this on those dating sites are the freaking. Now, I'm, I'm, all of a sudden, the majority of what's on those dating sites is just people that are just like fucking damaged, you know, just damaged goods. Yeah. <sighs> I admit or they, I'm or they want money. Right. That too. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. You know, we both have experience with that. It's like you either, you either meet somebody that seems cool and then you hang out with them and they're complete freaking psychos. Or they just want to do you for money, and that's it. That's all you meet on there. Yeah, my last one was a little bit of both. Anyway, moving on. I'm a little bit gold digger. I'm a little bit psycho. (laughs) Fuck, yeah, here we go. Now now we're just going to get fucking canceled everywhere. Let's talk about me. I know. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Anyway, not the point. Moving on. I didn't mention any names. <laughs> <sighs> no, you didn't. But he he was actually, later he was dubbed the first serial killer to, to use the internet to stalk victims. Oh. Which, you know, that has become a thing later on. There's been quite a few of them that have done the exact same thing that he did. But um, catfish, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> hey, come on over, see me here. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I own my own business. I've got, I have a, I have a sixty-five foot yacht, and um, yeah, and I, I, I'm six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds, like chiseled rock hard abs and everything. You like potatoes? And I've got a ten inch dick. <laughs> You like potatoes? Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, dude, when we met, it was like, that picture on your site is not you, bro. <laughs> well, well, you see, I went on like a major mashed potato. <laughs> I went on a major mashed potato. Diet. I got tired of being in shape and I shrunk a foot. And <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll get it back. I'll, I'll get it back. I I'll get it back. Yeah, I'll, I'll grow that foot back and... uh yeah. My micro penis will be ten inches by the time we're done. It'll be all right. <laughs> I 
Oh, I'm losing sight of the tracks here, Bill. We better get back to it. <laughs> I don't, it wasn't anything in particular that you said that got me, but it was just the whole thing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, we just, we, we went there, dude. We totally did. And yeah. And now here we are. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, yep. An early online correspondent was Sheila Faith. She was 45 years old, and she had a 15-year-old daughter, Debbie, who was um, confined to a wheelchair due to spinal problems. Oh, okay. I guess in that last thing, I was foreshadowing what was coming next, because Robinson was portraying himself as a as a wealthy businessman and a philanthropist. A phil- philanthropist. <laughs> so you so think he think he's Iron Man then? Well, this was before Iron Man came out, but yeah, but we're doing but, it. We're doing it after Iron Man, so we can make that comment. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, he's Iron Man. You think he's Tony Stark, billionaire be, playboy, philanthropist? He, Jesus, you got me fucked up. I can't even say it. <laughs> philanthropist. How hard is that word to say? Jesus Christ. Anyway, so yeah, philanthropist and all around great and caring guy. And he offered to pay Debbie's medical expenses. And he, he's going to give Sheila a job and he would take care of them. Mm. He would zero in on a target's weakness and exploit them. Yeah. Probably no, no, real piece everything. Of yeah. Um, the target never knew the wiser. And Sheila had told her friends that she had met the man of her dreams and he was going to take them on an extended cruise. And she was like really excited to go to kansas city she lived she lived in fullerton california at the time so she was like really excited to just uproot everything her and her daughter and just go from um california to um kansas city um john even agreed to meet them halfway so he drove to pueblo colorado and picked them up and then brought them back to kansas city Alrighty then. Sheila and Debbie immediately disappeared, and Robinson Cash Faith's um, Robinson Cash uh, Sheila Faith's pension checks for the for the next seven years totaling around eighty thousand dollars. Wow. I was going to say, did they even make it to Kansas? Probably not. You know. It doesn't you say, might, does it? You might be, it doesn't say, but you're probably right. He probably just, you know, when he, when he was driving in between, um, Colorado and Kansas and Kansas there's, there's City. There's a lot of empty spaces there. Yeah. So, um, he was living very comfortably off of the money of his victims. And most of these women were at near a rock bottom. So it was easy for him to gain their trust and promise them the world. Now we're going to rewind a little bit. <laughs> Sherman set the wayback machine for <laughs> for when John was nineteen years old. Oh, that forty three six nineteen sixty two. Okay. When John was 19, he dated a girl named Barbara Sandre. 
And they didn't last and they drifted apart, but um, they held on together and they drifted apart. And <laughs> um, But they, they would stay in touch all through the years and everything on the phone and by writing letters and everything. And in the late nineties, he t- he told her that he just had to have her back in her, in her in his life, so she moved down to be with him. He told her that he had never married. Keep in mind that he is still married at this point. Yes. And that his kids were actually his brother's kids, who he had adopted after his brother had died in a car wreck. Oh. Okay. He told her that he that he had a high security clearance government job, so she would need to keep a low profile. <laughs> a low profile. <laughs> and this job was why he had to be away all of the time. Oh, my God. All right. He put her up in a duplex, and the bed had a stain on it. <laughs> and he said that that, um, that, that stain was because his daughter had had a bad period. Okay. She was clueless. She bought into all of it. And I don't blame any of his victims for buying into his bullshit. I don't No, He was obviously good at it. Yeah. So he, at the time that he was, you know, that he was with her, he milked 20 grand out of her. Oh shit. But she also said that there was never any BDSM with, between them. She's, she's, he didn't kill her. She survived. All right. She even said in an interview, she's like, if he had brought that up, I would have run away screaming. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for her. Yeah. So one day, Barbara got a letter from Nancy Robinson, John's wife, who she never even knew existed. <laughs> She said that she was his wife and that he had been lying to her and she was just one of many. Oh boy. Yep. Yeah. So, so Barbara asked John about Nancy and John said that she was just an au pair who he had hired to watch the kids when they were little and that she had been stalking him for years. <laughs> and Barbara believed him. Oh geez. This poor girl. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Now keep an au pair. Like, like yeah. really? Like we don't say that word in here, in America, dude. It's like no, it, but look at the nanny. time. Look at the time that this happened. The British au pair case, that murder case that happened. Yeah. That was on the news at that point. So that's where he got that word from. I understand. I get that, but at the same time, though, the person should have been aware that we don't call them au pairs here. They're called nannies or whatever. You know what or I mean? Babysitters or babysitters or whatever. Yeah. You don't, that's not Caretaker. an au pair here. We don't use that word here. He's, he's, he's not British. Oh, fuck me. Anyway. All right. Moving on. But, Sorry. But I the, mean, but dude, it's easy. It's easy to hindsight is 2020. It's easy to look. Oh, back I know. At I know. And I'm, and I'm not, and, and I'm not ragging on, I'm not ragging on any of his victims. No, I'm not, not, I, a, no, no, not at that. all. But I'm just, but I, but I am just saying that, and I didn't even have this in the notes, but I am just saying that this is the early nineties, which is when the British, um, au pair mm-hmm. murder case came out. So that's where John Robinson got that fucking word from. Oh, I know. No, I got you. And that's fine. But you know, like, anyway, moving on. So, um, 
Later. Shortly later? No. Or later, later. Later, later. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is, it's, it's speculated because, you know, it's like I'm, I'm skipping ahead and then we're going to go back to present day as far as the timeline is concerned. But okay. later he told her that they should move to Canada and she should go scout out places. So she left and she never looked back. Awesome. Good for her. She but, had a chance. She got a chance to get away and got away. Good for her. But you, if you think about it, the law was closing in <laughs> on him at that point. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's trying to get the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like he, I said, yeah, he knows is, it. Yeah. This is a couple years later. This is, right. so. but one time the, the Barbara and John had gotten into an argument over, over the phone and Barbara asked him, it's like, look, come talk to me face to face. And John said, no. If he came over there, his kids would have to visit him in jail. <laughs> nice guy. Well, there's a threat if you ever know. Yeah, right? So John became well-known um, in increasingly popular BDSM chat rooms. Oh. So the slave master is... Doing a slave thing. <laughs> yeah. Slave master's got a slave master. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get why somebody would be like, okay, just beat the shit, beat the living shit out of me. I'm not kink shaming. It's just, I, I just don't get it. That's all. That's because you're so vanilla. It's not even funny. Oh, so you have done it. I totally set you up. <laughs> yeah, you did. But no, I mean, even if, uh, no, not really, but I've witnessed it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, dude, you, you are what the BDSM people call vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, proud and, to be a vanilla man. Where at least <laughs> I know my ass ain't going to hurt by the time I get done. <laughs> Oh, anyway. In in February of 2000, a 27-year-old nurse named Suzette Towton moved from Michigan to Kansas City to to be with Robinson as his submissive sex slave. Okay. She wanted a master. He wanted a, sub, a submissive. And he told Suzette that his dad was very old and needed constant care and that he would pay her $65,000 a year, but she would be his slave all the time unless she was caring for his dad. Okay. And she agreed. I don't... Anyway. Um, yeah. She, she and she and her two Pekingese dogs arrived in Kansas City on Valentine's Day 2000. And the first two weeks that she was there, he had her at a hotel where they did their BDSM thing nonstop. She never met John's dad. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that John's dad would dead at this point. Yeah, I would probably say so. Yeah, I, I couldn't find anything on him. You know, it's like when he died, I, I, I looked, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> find anything, but, but John began filming their activities. And this was an escalation because he had never done this before, but it was likely to post online. You know, it's like once, you know, in 2000, it, it, 
became somewhat easy to do that. It took six hours to upload a video, but still easy. <laughs> but it was easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh Jesus! Yeah. Click upload. Go to bed. <laughs> wake up. It be almost done. <laughs> be, yeah. Wake up six hours later, and it's like fifty percent. Yeah, but um, but on March first, yeah. Granted, she got there. On February 14th, March 1st, she was gone. Oh. <clears throat> now, while John was out, out acting like a family man, you know, he, punch, he punches his sadistic time clock at 5 o'clock and then goes home and be, you know, being a family man. Yeah. Suzette, she's in the hotel by herself. And so she would call her mom, like, almost daily. I got to wonder if she told her mom that that is why she went to Kansas City. I'm going to go basically be sexually abused by choice by this fucking potato looking old motherfucker. <laughs> and if you're yeah. wondering why we keep talking about the potato, just listen to our episode on Ron Dominique. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a new listener, I met that guy. so um but but she was talking to her mom almost daily and everything and suddenly the calls stopped and her mom obviously got suspicious so she called the kansas city police the police had cases that john was tied to you know like missing person cases and everything and now here's another one so now the entire Kansas City Police Department was looking at at John as a potential serial killer. All right, about time. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame Kansas City. I, I, they, they, no. they were, they were doing the best with what they had, and sometimes, unfortunately, it's just. And this guy was so good at covering his tracks. Yeah. No, it's not their fault. They were doing their job. And bullshitting. It's, it's yeah. not like the other police department, but we ain't gonna talk about it anymore. <laughs> um so oh, this this you want to talk about some good police for yes. good police work listen Let's, to this all right um a task force was put together to work the case nonstop all right john, task force john was trailed and he was studied but they didn't come up with anything because john was good but John lived in a trailer park where everybody knew everybody and all the trailers were like were like really close together and everything. Yeah. Oh. And actually it when you say tra- it, the pictures from it it actually looked like a like one of these like really nice trailer parks that you would see here in Florida for like 55 and up. Okay, I, yeah, like double wides, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Nice, nice. Yeah. But really close together and everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um but John was good. Um, but they, so they, they couldn't just like park out, you know, park inside the trailer park because that would raise suspicion. But the, but there was a house, um, across and up the street sitting on top of a hill where the owner actually let them watch from. Well, that's convenient. <laughs> yeah. So the officer would be sitting, you know, just sitting in like Bermuda shorts and a freaking, you know, a, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like 
drinking a margarita. You know, he's, he's got the, you know, he's got the, the, the button up shirt with the tropical prints on it and everything. Yeah. And by the way, RIP Jimmy Buffett. Yes. RIP Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> That's where I was going with that. But, but still it, it's, but the, he's just sitting up out there and everything. Yeah. And he's just watching, waiting, waiting for him to move. And when, yeah. And when John would come out of the parking lot, he'd radio in. I was like, he's gone. And then people, you know, like, you know, like officers and like regular looking cars would just kind of tail him wherever they went. You know, really, yes. But it get, it gets even better. It All gets right. even better. Um, the the officer that was that was like there, he was the scout, and and, and I'm guessing that that the scout like might have changed from time to time. I doubt it was the same guy. Just oh know, yeah, dude, yeah. Surveillance studios switch, yeah. But but still, you know, it was far enough off the road to where you wouldn't be able to see. Hey, that's a different guy than was sitting on the the lawn chair yesterday. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so they were, yeah, so they would, they would do that. But, but the, but the guy or one of the guys even mowed the guy's lawn a couple of times just to add legitimacy to the, to him being there. (laughs) Guys like, guys like, he's probably getting paid by the police department to, you know, to let him use his property. And now he gets his lawn mowed for free. Like, holy shit. Hell yeah. Well, you know, dude, that that's proper fucking surveillance there. You know, you can't just be sitting there with a telescope looking at somebody. Right. You, know, you gotta exactly. you gotta act like you belong there. Right. But no, I, I just I just thought that detail was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, no, that is it's that like, is it's cool. like an op, the officer actually mowed the guy's yeah. lawn several times. Yeah, that's cool. Got to do everything to maintain cover. They would even borrow a garbage truck on garbage days, picking up trash and going through it. Wow, they really got into this. <laughs> yeah. So they they found letters that had been shredded, but they were able to put them back together. Oh yeah, you can do that. Yeah. So John had a piece of property like a ways away from there that he intended to build on at some point. Put a knife in that. Knife um, in. All right. Suzette Towton's mother received several types letter several type letters signed by her daughter and purportedly mailed while the cover the, the cover the couple <laughs> was abroad <laughs> but all of these letters had Kansas City postmarks and oops <laughs> and, but the letters were also according to our mother uncharacter uncharacteristically free of typographical errors like meaning that Suzette wasn't the best typist. Right. And um and these were like perfect. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the police set up a phone tap in um in Suzette's mother's house. Talton's mother had John's phone number from the conversations that she had been having with Suzette before she disappeared. So they had her mother call John and John, John would usually isolate the women from their families, but he hadn't in this case. Oh, like I said, he would go, he would punch out from his deviant behavior at five o'clock and then go home and yeah. punch into the family man thing. Yeah. But he left, he left her alone at the, um, at the hotel. Um, so 
police recorded the conversation. And John told Taunton's mother that she had run off with some guy some time ago, and that was the last he had seen or heard from her. <laughs> okay. And she had sent a postcard to her mother saying that they were taking off, but that postcard was sent from Kansas City. <laughs> um, uh. She's like, and and John John was being there. One of these days, we're gonna put these fucking you know th- these calls on on the podcast. W- one of these days, we're gonna start doing that. But, All right, but not today. <laughs> yeah, not today. <laughs> um, she, yeah, she she's just like, uh, well, maybe I'll just call the police. Because it wasn't like Suzette to not be in touch. And John's like, why? She's a big girl. You, you know how young people are these days. And he was just toying with her. Right. And, and the police literally got nothing that they could use out of this conversation. They knew he was full of shit, but there was nothing that they could prove. There was nothing. He didn't volunteer. He didn't slip up one what? single time. Yeah. And, and the phone conversation was like 20 minutes long. He didn't slip up at all. This guy's a fucking expert. <laughs> well, yeah. He should have been a fucking defense attorney. Or, yeah, or anything but a serial killer, but, you know. Or an embezzler or a forger and all that stuff. It's like with, with, with his bullshit skills, I mean, he, he, could have been a, he could have been a very competent defense attorney. Yeah, make a whole lot more money than he is scamming people. Yeah, exactly. That's, what I, that's the point I was getting at. Mm-hmm. But um, um, police had John's house phones tapped on a, they had a, 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 court, a court order to allow it. And he would bring lots of women in from elsewhere. Um, and he would put them all up in hotels and they'd have BDSM sex and everything and they would leave unharmed. You know, so it's just like he wasn't just killing everybody that came his way. You know, it's just only okay. certain people that maybe like kind of like, I like you. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. So... So the police would book the hotel next to the hotel room next to his, and they intended to break in if he was hurting them. But with all the BDSM, how can you make that call? Yeah. You know, it, and luckily they didn't, you know, luckily somebody pointed that out to them. It was like, look, just because they're screaming and hollering and all that stuff doesn't mean that he's killing them. Yeah. Not, not in this situation. Yeah. And I would imagine that um, whatever officer came forward with that bit of information, I would imagine everybody in the police department looked at him a little bit differently after that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, um, and you know this how? And you know this how? <laughs> no, but still, but good. But th- yeah. they didn't. Rec- they, but still, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't just blow the. You know, they they didn't just blow their wad and you know just ruin their their case. Yeah. So, yeah, they didn't ruin their case. All right, right. Well, at least they took the look. They at least they took the BDSM police officer serious. Right. So it's like, and, and, you know, they were like, "Okay, you, you know this because," and then you knock the door went, down. Like, yeah, and he went oh. like, you know, because I'm I'm into that kind of stuff, and it's, that's what happens. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so it, so uh, you're yeah, off the force, well, boy, but we'll take your advice. <laughs> once again, great police work. Yes. From, from Kansas City. Absolutely. Um, but yes, but if you, it, yeah, if you're in the next room, what is actual distress versus what is voluntary BDM distress? Yeah. You know, it's just like it, you, you can't tell because yeah. some of that, some of that shit, some of those people go crazy and this guy was fucking crazy. <laughs> right. So I'm pretty sure that, I mean, it's just like if, 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 yeah. You know, if if somebody did the shit that he was doing to you know to a woman and it wasn't BDSM related that man's going away for a long time oh yeah so it's just i i just i just don't i am not king champing if you're into that that's fine it's just it's just not for me i don't get it <laughs> like i said it's cuz you're vanilla but it's all right ain't nothing wrong with being vanilla all right stop Collaborate and, and listen. <laughs> anyway, one woman that he had a thing with, um, she had about seven hundred dollars worth of sex toys with her, and it, it doesn't say like where she came from, but he imported her just like he did with all the others. They got into an argument, and he stole her toys. Uh oh. She reported the theft to the police. <laughs> she reported the theft to the police. And then the police arrested that, that, you know, like, like what happened earlier, just get him off the street. Yeah. You know? Well, this time they got him for stealing $700 worth of sex toys. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Jesus. He was arrested at his home, and as he was being let it let out, he said with a smirk on his face, "You're making quite a production out of this. You got nothing on me." <laughs> if you say to a cop that's arresting you, "You got nothing on me," that means yes, we do. Mm-hmm. We haven't found it yet, but if you're saying that to us, yeah, don't yeah. don't encourage the police. Come on, yeah. Man. <laughs> I mean, in, in that situation, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, don't taunt the police like that yeah, because don't, don't they're, they're, the they are, they've already got you, boy. You're fucked. It's like, yeah, they're you just got nothing, waiting. You, you got nothing on me. I mean, nothing will trigger a cop more than somebody saying, you got nothing on me. Because you know what? If you say yeah. that, they know that there's something. They yep. may not have anything. And at that yeah, point, they may not. You at, may be at, right. At, at that point, they didn't. Oh, but, but they would. But you know what? Yeah, you say that you may be right. I may, <laughs> I may be, be crazy. crazy, but you just may be the lunatic oh, we're looking for. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> True though. But, yeah, it is. Don't 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 provoke the police. Yeah, don't. Just don't. But. If you're a serial killer, go ahead, provoke them all you want, but yeah. you know, don't don't be the don't be the 
Oh, I'm a sovereign citizen. You have no. <laughs> oh God, you had what, to bring this offset. <laughs> would they would they pull you over for driving ten miles over the speed limit? I'm a sovereign citizen. I don't have to do anything. Don't provoke the police. I have a right to travel. What do you mean you don't have a driver's license and your tag is expired? I have a right to travel. It says so. <laughs> Fuck up soft yeah. sits, dude. Fuck them, dude. They're yeah, fucking idiots. But... So, of course, they got a warrant to search his house. Of course they did. And when they did, they found papers on the various victims, including Lisa Stasi. They were among the papers they found on her. They found a receipt for her stay at the roadway Inn back in 1985. Oh, where she had disappeared from. Yes. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. I love this story. I really do. I hate the guy, but I love the story. Oh yeah. You know, it's just the 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 the, the fucking police work that can't. Hats up, hit hit the applause for Kansas City Police. Hold on. So, um, he also, they also found out that he had two storage units, one in Kansas, well, plain old Kansas, plain old Kansas. Uh, one in Missouri. And they also found victims, driver's license, birth certificates, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Shit. Personal effects and everything of all of the missing women. They searched a piece of property that John had owned and they brought out a you know, the, the piece of property that he was going to build on later. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they brought in a cadaver dog and he hit on two barrels. Oh. It's a good boy. It's a good boy. <laughs> One had blood on it and they opened it and it was Suzette Talton. Oh, the other one had a, had a body in it. It was a girl named, um, Isabella Luica. And she hadn't been on anybody's radar at that up until that point. Oh, all right. Back in 1999, he had offered um, a job and a bonded relationship to Isabel Lubica, a 19-year-old Polish immigrant who was living in Indiana that he had met online. Um, she signed a 115-item slave contract that gave Robinson... Um, her body and almost control over every aspect of her life, including her bank accounts. Oh, and I, I gotta wonder, are those contracts legal? As like the BDSM contract, are they, are they legal or are they just like understood to be? It, it depends on, um, uh, if it's if it's like a legal contract, like a lawyer wrote it up and a lawyer is there when it's signed, then it's legal. Otherwise, I think it's just kind of an understood thing. Oh, okay. No lawyer is going to sign off on that, or no notary. Well, I mean, well, 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 not well, not I'm, for not for him, but I mean, and and again, I'm going back to Fifty Shades of Grey because the the main character, the guy that was the dom in that, and the 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 girl that he wanted that he was interested in, she had to sign a contract because, well, he had a shit ton of money though. So he was protecting himself. You know what I mean? Oh, but, but, but I mean, the contract also 
like what you can and cannot do. I mean, it, that's in it too, but it basically it's to like, if this relationship ends, you don't get to sue me for the shit I did to you basically. So, <laughs> but, it, but if she decides that she wants out, let, let's say, let's say it has, it's a year contract. Yeah. And then six months into it, she decides, Hey, I'm out. Could he sue her? Um, him probably not. I mean, the guy we're talking about, no, because there's no way that was legal. Okay. Because I, mean, I, I would I would really hate to be a judge or, or an attorney in that case. Yeah. Well, but I mean, dude, any any good attorney would go, this this is not a legal binding contract. I mean, well, so they'd, fi- under- they'd find ways to do it. But, I mean, it just, I guess it depends on how it's worded. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know these things. But can you imagine it's just like, you signed a contract for a year of yeah. basically being a, you know, being this guy's being a slave, freaking whipping post and being a slave and everything. No, you have six months to, to cover. Yeah. You, know, you, you have six months to go in that. So get back in there and do, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I don't, I don't, I, uh, and, and, I mean, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, this guy seems pretty smart, so he may have had a breach of contract clause in there, you know, but, but still, you can't force somebody to do. If, if, I don't know. I, I, I no, you like can't. It. No, in, in like in that kind of thing, no, you don't force anybody to do anything. It has to be consensual. But if she wants out, and then he sues her because she wants out, that that probably wouldn't. That wouldn't. I don't contract. think that would fly. I don't think that would hold up in court. Thank God, because damn. But don't hold me to that, because like I said, I ain't a lawyer. I don't know. But I, I, I don't think that would hold up in court. Anyway. You know what? I'm I'm sure that that case is coming at some point. <laughs> I really am. That that case is going to make the news at some point. You know. Oh, what? Like a, a BDSM contract being violated or something? Yeah, the way things are going in this world right now, that it's it's coming. Yeah, it's happen. coming. Yeah, it'll it happen. will. And goddamn, I would hate to be a fucking judge or an attorney in that case. Yeah, you know? especially nowadays, Jesus. Anyway, moving on. Let's finish yeah. this. Big finish. Let's go. So when she moved to Kansas City, John introduced her. And keep in mind, she's 19 and he's like older than we are at this point. <laughs> and, but I'm only 30. Well, 29. I'll, <laughs> I'm 50. I'll be turning 50 on September 7th. Wish me happy birthday. <laughs> It'll be it'll be late because this episode's like a, a week and a half out. So, yeah, but but still, wish me happy birthday. Happy birthday, so, Bill! And that and that that way, I know that you're listening. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> happy belated birthday, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> happy fifty. <sighs> anyway, you know, John introduced her as, her, as his daughter, but <sighs> uh, but he was with her longer than any of his other victims, like over a year, and. The police even found a marriage license with their names on it. Oh, and and she and John weren't married, obviously, because he already had a wife. Yeah, you know. But, uh, but she had told her parents that she had had married a man, but she never told them her husband's name. <laughs> I wonder why. Because he's a potato. Because he's a potato. <laughs> and then, yeah. No, you can't tell anybody about it, but yeah, we're married. It's fine. Yeah, we're 
we're married. Yep. Love you, baby. <laughs> come mash, come mash me, baby. I'm getting that fucking stock so I can whip your ass. I'm serious. If you look at pictures of this guy, and I'm gonna post them and everything, he, you know, he looks like Ron Dominique and stature. He looks like a potato. Okay. <laughs> in 1999 the week had disappeared and Robinson told a web designer that uh, that he had employed for his business whatever the hell that was right uh, that she had been caught smoking marijuana and been deported <laughs> alright I mean okay <laughs> I do. Well, I mean, dude, that's a good cover. It is. It is a good cover, but still, come on, man. I know, right? Anyway. The police, at this point, you know, because they had been like, you know, like wiretapping and everything, and, you know, he had still been in contact with Barbara Sandre, even though she had, like, told him to, like, like, I'm done with you. There's, you know, there's something shady going on here or whatever. But she, yeah, they told her about the charges against John, and she, of course, was horrified. As you buckle up, buckle up, Buttercup, because this is <laughs> fucked up. All right, here we go. She gave them permission to search the duplex that she had been staying in, and it turned out that every bit of the furniture into it had belonged to Isabella. Oh. The blood stain that was on the bed where she had slept was also Isabella's. Oh. And it wasn't from a period. No, obviously not. Isabella was an artist, and there were paintings that she had done all over the duplex. But John said that he had painted them and put J.R. in the bottom corner. (laughs) God. Oh, man, this guy's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Now, remember when I said that some of the letters that people were getting came from, like, out of the country? Mm-hmm. Lots of victims' families got letters postmarked from Europe, and police couldn't figure out how he was doing this because he wasn't traveling abroad. Right. Turns out that um, Barbara was in Europe at the time. This was before, um, this was before you know, he enticed her. So when she came, when she came, she, she came from Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, he had asked her to send letters from there because his, his daughter collected international stamps and postmarks. Oh. So late nineties, nobody collects stamps anymore. <laughs> <laughs> He would send, um, he would send sealed envelopes with, you know, pre-addressed to the to the families, you know, where they're intended to, mm-hmm. with no re- with no return address on them, and then Barbara would unknowing, you know, unknowingly mailed them and mailed them back. Yeah. Mailed them to the addresses that she just put a stamp on it and sent it out. Oh, why she why she didn't ask 
Well, your daughter lives with you. Why am I sending this to freaking Arizona? <laughs> or whatever, you yeah. know? <laughs> but, oh, man. <sighs> but All still, right. once again, master bullshit artist. Yep. <sighs> Fuck. All right. Maybe it was something like, oh, my daughter's, you know, traveling abroad or whatever. (laughs) You know what? That's probably exactly what it was. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, she lives with me, but yeah, she's in Arizona right now. She's on a, she's, yeah. I mean, Arizona never came up. That was just the first thing. You know know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. She's over over here now. She's visiting somebody and I need to send her, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. Who knows? So then they searched the Missouri, the Missouri storage room, and they found three barrels that included Beverly Bonner, Sheila Faith, and her 15-year-old daughter, Debbie. Oh. These women had been beaten with a hammer. Okay, that's not BDSM. (laughs) Nope. Oh, Jesus. Beaten. Fuck. So he was charged with the capital murder of Lisa Stasi, Suzette Taunton, and Isabella Luica. And in court, a 39-minute video was shown, and it was the encounter with John and, and Suzette, the one that he had videotaped. Videotaped, prob- yeah. Probably posted online. I don't want to see it. But, no. <laughs> uh, and he's barking out commands with no emotion. He's robotic. You know, nothing like his normal... I'm just a good guy demeanor, you know? <laughs> right. You know, you might say that he was monotone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it happens. That's, 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 that's never that's never going away. We were never going to stop ragging on that, whoever no. you were. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, it is. Um, anyway. <laughs> but, yeah. But the but in a stroke of irony, the tape was recorded over Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> okay. And even though it was coincidence, the symbolism wasn't lost on the people in the courtroom because of the fact that it's just like it's like, okay, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's the original one with Gene Wilder. Yes. You know, I mean, this is prior to the one with Johnny Depp coming out where it was called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But this is, you know, that was, it's just like, a, you know, it's a, it's a kid's movie. It's fun, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's actually pretty dark, but, it is. but still, it, it, but still, it's just, and then all of a sudden it's recorded over with that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So there was, there was symbolism there. And like I said, it, People picked up on that. <laughs> um, John was found guilty and sentenced to death, and this was in Kansas. He would then um, stand trial in Missouri for the for Beverly Bonner, Debbie, and Sheila Faith, mm-hmm. and that came with a plea deal. The plea deal was he pled guilty to. Um, he pled guilty to these murders as well as the murders of Paula Godfrey, Lisa Stassi, and Catherine Clampett. But um but he wouldn't reveal exactly what happened to them. So it was just like a little last grasp of chaos, you know? <laughs> right. It's just like I'm I'm still working this somewhat. <laughs> 
But remember Lisa's baby Tiffany? Mm-hmm. Did you forget about the baby? Mm-hmm. You honest? Yeah, I did. I did. Dude, we've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> This is a long one. This is, this is a long one. I didn't think it would be this long. This is a long one. Yeah, I've, that, that was like at the beginning of the story. I, yeah. Anyway, a few days later, after Lisa disappeared, Robinson contacted his brother and sister-in-law. You know who had been unable to. They wanted to adopt a baby. Oh. And they were unable to do it through the t- traditional route. I, why I don't know. It doesn't say, but um, but he contacted them saying he knew of a baby whose mother had killed herself. Oh shit! Oh man! So for fifty five hundred dollars in quote legal fees, oh god, the couple received Tiffany, whose identity was later confirmed by DNA testing in two thousand. He also had a set of authentic appearing adoption papers with forged signatures of two lawyers and a judge. Holy shit. Oh, okay. The whole, the whole Kansas City outreach thing was a front to get some easy money from his brother. It had nothing to do with care for his brother. It was a one-and-done scam. There's wow. actually a Polaroid of John, his actual wife, you know, his wife, Nancy, and their four kids, and Tiffany on his lap. And this picture was likely taken just hours after John had killed Lisa. Oh, damn. This This is just days before his unwitting brother had come to Kansas City to, to get Tiffany. John's family had no idea about any of this. Um, but let's recap. He killed a mother to get a baby for free and then charged his brother for it. And then charged his brother for it. Fuck me, dude. This guy is quite possibly the biggest piece of shit that we've ever covered. I, I would say so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, there's been some depraved fucking lunatics that we've covered and everything, but just the fucking psychological aspect of this fucking chucklehead. I mean, Jesus. yeah, it's just, it, it's just, wow. It's just. So he did, he started, he did that whole thing just to get his brother a kid. Yeah. And charge him for it. And charge him for it. He, he had no idea of, he had, he, he had no intention of continuing it. That's why when, he, when he got, brought into Haim's off, you know, like, you know, Stephen Haim's office and everything. When he, when he came in there, he's just like, Oh, we're just trying to give back to the community. It was just a nonchalant. He had already done what he, what he set out to do. Yeah. And it wasn't because, Oh, I just want my brother to be able to have a child because uh, maybe his wife could, couldn't conceive. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he had a little firm count. I don't know. It did. It didn't say, but for whatever reason, he's just like, okay, cha-ching. And, yeah. And it's just like, God. Jesus. Anyway, all right. Yeah, this is probably the biggest, like, piece of shit that we covered. This guy didn't give a fuck about anybody. No. Not even his own family. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, oh, man, fuck. 
at least BT, at least BTK loved his family. Yeah. This guy didn't give two shits about his family. Mm. So Tiffany had been named Heather by John's, you know, by John's brother. And you know what? No, no shade on John. You know, no shade on John whatsoever. He he had no fucking clue. But, or no, hold on. Let me back that up. No shade on John's brother. There you go. Because he had no fucking clue. (laughs) Damn. Uh, I was about to say something. (laughs) Yeah, this is a lot longer than I thought that it was going to go. That's all right. Tiffany was named Heather, and she lived her life with John's brother and sister-in-law. And at this point, why break them up? You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just like I get it. It sucks for the it sucks for the it sucks for the family, but you also got to think about the kid and everything. I mean, John's brother had no clue that any of this bullshit went on. Right. So Nancy, the kids, you know, John's kids and John's brother made statements saying they they knew nothing about any of this, and I believe them because oh, yeah. he was. He was such an expert bullshit artist, and Nancy quickly divorced John after the conviction. John got life in Missouri, and he, you know, as a result of that plea deal, but he remains on death row in Kansas, but he's probably going to die in prison because Kansas hasn't executed anyone since 1965. Yeah. All right. And that's all I got. All right. So that was the twist, though, was that he did all that shit to get his brother a kid? Yep, that was the swerve. <laughs> all right, not quite the twist I was expecting, but... What were you expecting? I don't know, something really oh. weird, but anyway. No, but that is really fucking weird, though. It is, no, it is, it is weird, because that's, I didn't, after after everything that we've been talking about, I did not expect that that was done just for that. Yeah, it's just like when we were talking about that, when we were talking about the the situation, you know, the the Kansas City Outreach Program, you thought that it was a scam that he was going to run like long term. Yeah. And and then it it just went away. It was just so he could milk his brother. Well, I mean, yeah, that sucks, but man. Yeah. I mean, anyway, all right. (laughs) Fuck me, dude. This guy's a fucking. Dude, I don't even think piece of shit is strong enough word for him. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely, probably overall the biggest piece of shit that we've covered. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, it's just, he wasn't just a random, you know, serial killer. He wasn't Pee Wee Gaskins. He wasn't Richard Ramirez. Yeah. He wasn't BTK. Actually, BTK would probably look at um, what he did and be like, that's fucked up. <laughs> and that's bad. <laughs> yeah. And and speak, speaking of BTK, oh, I, th- I, th- I think we covered that we might be doing BTK earlier than, yeah, I think we covered that in the intro. But Yeah, we, we did say something about that. Yeah, so... um. Because that didn't BTK win the poll that you put out? Wasn't that it? Yeah, well, the poll's still ongoing. Oh. It's just, so it's like people people are going to be like, 
Um, it's just like, what the fuck? We, we guessed, we guessed, but you didn't do any of those. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. But we're going to, no, we're going we're gonna to get to Carl Pan's Ram and we're going to get to the BTK redo and we are going to get to the anthill kids too. They're all coming. I promise. Um, Bay Harbor Butcher, not so much because we already, <laughs> we already got you once and we're not going to be able to get you again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, no, no, and more, no more April Fool's jokes. We, we no. can't, it ain't going to work again. Nope. And honestly, if we did the Bay Harbor, but the Bay Harbor Butcher, everybody, everybody would know it. it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's not one you can just do. And, and pretend that it's a joke. I mean, not pretend that it's not a joke. Yeah, but if you're if you're actually, I'm not going to say what episode it is because I don't I don't want new <laughs> listeners to know that it's coming. <laughs> yeah, you just have to figure it out. Yeah, you anyway. you'll never see it. You'll never see it coming until the very end of the episode. <laughs> Yeah. Which one is it? <laughs> I kind of gave it away. If you, never mind. But anyway, anyway, oh man, what a crazy story that, that yeah. was. I mean, that's just like a yeah. You you see why I wanted to push Pan's Ram back another week and do this yeah, one? I do. This for, was for a good one. First, for our first episode that we've actually recorded back after a fucking month of not doing any of them. <laughs> I mean. That I I was I I I I wrote these notes. I wrote these notes. And I'm just like, no, this is this is good. And I <laughs> I I I had heard that story before, but I it had been a while since I'd heard any podcasts about this one and everything. So I'm just like, all right, let's do this one. And I get into it, and it's just like, yeah, that's the next one. <laughs> Sorry, Carl. Yeah, uh, he'll get over it. No, I won't. <laughs> I'm going to haunt you. I'm going to kill you in your sleep, my ghost. Yeah, I don't believe in ghosts, so fuck off. Are you a god? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Carry on. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate the hell out of it. We hope you enjoyed this episode because we sure as hell did. This was, this was, I think this is probably going to be one of my new favorite episodes. Yeah, it was a good one. (laughs) So, um, you know, follow us on our socials. It's all linked in the, on our website, um, X or Twitter, uh, Facebook. Discord, we have a Discord, uh, Patreon, we have a Patreon, um, uh, and the first, our, the first subscriber to our Patreon is going to get a free t-shirt. That I'm wearing right here? Yeah, like that. <laughs> and, um, let's see, what else do we have? I mean, um, you're not going to get this shirt that I'm wearing, but you're going to get one like it. If the price <laughs> is right. <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe they'll want to have you um, like go out and do some yard work in it and everything and then mail it to them without washing it. Uh, <laughs> hey, anything for a price. Patre- Patreon, Patreon, Discord, what else? YouTube. 
YouTube. There's nothing on it yet, but there will will be soon. And I think that's all Instagram, we have. Instagram? Did you say Instagram? Instagram. Yes, Instagram. We have uh, we have an Instagram page, and it is growing. So yep. I, I I put it to, I put it together a couple of days ago, and it you know it, it's 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 growing slowly but surely. Yes, but, very. Uh, I hate I hate saying this, but everything is going to have content on it soon. Probably yeah. by by the time you're hearing this, it'll most of it'll probably be going with right. content. There'll be something well, there with Discord. I mean, we're we're doing like um like episode commentary and everything. We're posting the episodes. Eventually, people will find it and they'll get in there and they'll they'll start talking about the episodes. Yeah, but, Discord's kind of a work in progress. Yeah, you know, thank you for listening. And if you like us, tell a friend. If you hate us, tell an enemy. And until next week, later. Cheers, everybody.